I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Twitter file revelations show that after staffers were successful in removing President Trump from the social media platform on January 8th, 2021, attention soon shifted to taking on those with different views about COVID. Independent journalist Barry Weiss revealed, quote, employees expressed eagerness to tackle medical misinformation as soon as possible. And there you go. So then it was all about the me- and then they, they decided as tech 22 year olds, what was uh, the accurate information? What was not about covid? Right. And what was so dangerous that it should be punished anyway, silenced. Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. Uh, I actually dug into um, the fifth edition or whatever they're calling it of the the Twitter papers about banning Trump. It was more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Just the widespread recognition that none of these tweets are violating any of our rules. You might not like them, but there's no basis here. But finally, you know, one of the higher up progressive guys whose name I can't remember, Indian guy, um, said, yeah, yeah, we're going to ban him. Yeah, the the biggest problem with their logic, and again, I know, they're a private company, they can do whatever the hell they want. I know. But they they claimed they had various rules that allowed all kinds of horrific world leaders to stay on Twitter and say awful things. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. The list of the things said by various dictators and warlords and, and you know, child soldier employing monsters, uh, they, they were up. They are kept up. Uh, the Ayatollah vowing to wipe Israel off the map, calling it a cancer. That's That was still up. No problem. Thanks for uh, being on Twitter, Ayatollah. It was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, youngsters, Jack, working in modern workplaces with their crazy lingo, uh, the Washington Post with an unintentionally very funny article, I think. Um, 
When 24-year-old Mary Claire read a message that said her colleague would be out of pocket, she and her young co-workers giggled. As Gen Z workers, Wall and her peers interpreted the phrase to mean that their colleague planned to do something crazy or inappropriate. That's out of pocket, man! Not that they would be unavailable. But in the same manner, she confused her older colleagues with her regular use of the word slay. I had to give an almost definition of the word slay. Now they all text me slay. They're excited to know how to use it. Gen Z, defined by Pew Research Center as those between, born between 1997 and 2012, bring its own style of communication to the workplace. And they should keep quiet unless ask a question. Indeed. Exactly. <laughs> You've jumped to the punchline. So what does slay mean? I'm curious. Uh, to uh, to do a great job, to kill it. You're killing it. That's what I assumed, so it ain't that complicated. No, it's not, although it's so it's so funny to me how many... So if a 22-year-old said to me, yeah, I gave my presentation, I slayed, and I would just, oh my God, I have no idea what you just said. I'm completely lost. You murdered someone, or you went somewhere on a sleigh, like sleigh bells ring, can you listen? That, well, what? I have exactly. no way to comprehend what you just told me. I, <laughs> I had a conversation with my uh, 23-year-old daughter about this uh, the other day. It happened to come up, and she said, you know, uh, people of my age don't consider ourselves Generation Z exactly. We call ourselves uh, Zillennials. Because we're as much millennials as Generation Z. So you got Zillennials and Zoomers. Now, Zillennials is like my daughter. Their first phone was a flip phone so they could call mom and dad and tell us volleyball practice is over. And they didn't get smartphones until later in life. Um, there have always been a computer in their house their whole life. But smartphones were, you know, several years into their life. Uh, whereas Zoomers... Every day they've been on Earth, smartphones have been. Everybody's been staring at a smartphone. Right. That is a that is a major dividing point in uh, in the way and, the world has been structured. Well, right. And she says it's obvious really? which one you are in terms of communication skills, well, see, being I've, able to look people in the eye, that, that sort of thing. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, and we're 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 barely far enough into this to have a. A, a, a group to be able to monitor to figure this out because I feel like you know smartphones came to me late in life. I mm-hmm. had been not used. I had been. It's hard to even remember, but I had been walking down the street, just I guess looking around. I don't even know what I was doing. What did <laughs> you do when you walked down the street pre-smartphone? Do you even look remember? Around. Think. Look around, yeah. I guess, did you look straight Whistle ahead? a happy tune. Did you look straight ahead? Did you look at the buildings? Did I just look at the side? I don't even remember mm. what I did pre-smartphone, like if I was going to walk to my car in the parking lot. Because now I stare at my phone. Or I, I certainly, every once in a while, I have to do this, and it's torturous. If I'm in line at, at Starbucks and I have to wait a full, sometimes 45 seconds for them to fill my coffee, did I just used to stare at the back of the head of the person who was filling the coffee, or what did I do? But so I feel like my point was, I feel like I adapted pretty quickly to the whole smartphone world. Uh, And it it, it scares me that my brain got rewired that fast. I find it really difficult to read books. That frightens the hell out of me. Mm. Having read books well into my 40s, it's now almost impossible. So but you're saying the people that grew up with them are markedly different than that even. 
young people can tell the difference. Wow. No, no, none of this generational stuff is 100%, of course. Do they crawl around on all fours? What's the easiest way to spot them? <laughs> They're strange and exotic headdresses. <laughs> um, no, as an individualist, I've always hated the uh, the whole generation oh, sure, thing. Of course. I'm Gen X, and we're cynical about everything. Right. So, you know, there's that. Uh, anyway, where were we? Ah, slay. That's right. Jack was utterly befuddled by the use of the word slay. <laughs> Couldn't decode it in any way. Um, uh, so, putting aside the fact that my daughter, who's in this generation, denies that it's one generation, the presence of Gen Z called Zoomers in the workplace is only growing. By 2030, they're expected to account for, you know, a percentage of the workforce. You could figure that out on your own. Oh, da, da, da. And for older workers, that means getting comfortable asking questions about their lingo. The trickiest thing in language is it keeps changing, said an assistant professor, blah, blah, blah. This kind of misinterpretation can definitely complicate and hinder communication. He is not slaying with this commentary. No, no, it's uh, that's Trey Obbs, <laughs> which was like, what, 1998? I don't know. Yeah, it's lame, which was popular for a while. <laughs> right. It remains lame. Uh, let's see. Uh, given that many Zoomers grew up communicating digitally and through text, they've had to develop ways to incorporate tone and intention. That means adding visual elements like memes and emojis and often using them ironically. Oh, crap! Just what I thought when I knew what your emoji meant. That Well, that's we talked about that the other day, oh, about yeah. how thumbs yeah. up for the younger crowd is like sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, they get into that, and it's 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 actually kind of amusing. But uh, Elizabeth, uh, who's twenty three year old media relations specialist in Chicago, said she had she had to adjust to seeing periods at the end of a sentence in Slack and email messages from her colleagues. Once she received a comment from a colleague saying "good job," but the period at the end made her second guess whether she was actually being praised. I'm like, is it a good job? It just makes me nervous. I even had to ask, and then I'm like, oh, I'm overthinking it. Well, I do. You, are. you know, I'm more with her. Uh, I do feel like putting a period at the end of good job is saying, yeah, good job. No, it's not. That absolutely you paranoid is. weirdo. That absolutely. That's ah, terrible. You're wrong. You're, you're overthinking it. <laughs> uh, well, of course, you know, within her culture, that's what it means. So it means what it means. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump to the conclusion on this because there's more I want to read to you, but, um, uh, when I was young, I knew the difference between my peers' groovy lingo and normal American English, and I would like not. And you can picture it any era. You got some. There used to be comedy routines about the the hippy dippy weatherman or whatever, the hippie son who comes into the boardroom and 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 uh, oh come on man, that's so uncool, and everybody would laugh. You got to figure out that read the room. Right, beatniks dropping a daddyo on you. Right, it's up to you to learn the corporate communication culture, not for them to adapt to you, well, youngster. Well, silly. Are you telling me young people don't talk differently around their parents than they do their friends at school? Of course they do. They That's notice. an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. Code switching, they call it. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, John V, a 23-year-old software which engineer. We, which we all do automatically and always have. The human right. beast, you talk differently uh, among your, your your dude friends on the golf course drinking beers than you do with your wife and her friends. And it's not really a lot of work to switch from one to the other. Yeah, I don't know. As a 17-year-old, I talked differently among my buddies than my grandmother. And it was okay. And it wasn't and hard. I knew what they were all saying. Didn't have to really put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, I think the difference here, and, and this does smack of kids these days, um, I think the difference is a lot of these Zoomers... 
know only their colloquial modern communication because they're so focused on their cell phone and their electronic communications and their earbuds. When was the last time you saw a young person or even a middle-aged person without earbuds in? Never. They don't take in standard, uh, you know, adult conversation, so they're unaware of it, which is, you know, they didn't raise themselves. Uh, moving along, uh, this is this is so good. Uh, they go into the period thing, but then uh, Kalra says what uh, causes the most confusion are emojis. She said a senior engineer asked, once asked what she meant when she responded with a uh, a message with uh, uh, that coupled the fingernails emoji with a fire emoji on top. There's the manicure emoji, and it means go on, queen. Then on our Slack, there's a fire on top, so it's double that. Okay, I, that one lost me. Well, right. It's not your 45-year-old executive VP's job to memorize your groovy emojis. You've got to understand. A 45-year-old executive VP doesn't use the fingernail emoji with a flame on top. (laughs) Enough questions arise from the generational divide that uh, this company has a Slack channel dedicated to helping colleagues understand Gen Z's emoji use at work. They said some Zoomers interpret the emoji with open eyes and puckered lips as a face expressing judgment. Some a kissing face, an important distinction at the workplace. I would say. She and her peers also often use the skull emoji or open mouth emoji with streaming tears to convey exaggerated laughter as in dead from crying of laughter. Dead from or crying from laughter. But what about the generic smiley face that often appears in some apps after typing a colon closed parentheses? Some Zoomers say this can come off as passive-aggressive or cold. It looks dead in the eyes. It doesn't seem warm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Do we have time for one more? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Gen Z uh, tends to use emojis with much more nuance and creativity than prior generations because they grew up using them. Often that means emojis take on a literal meaning much less frequently than they do with older colleagues. Earnestness is cringe, he said. It seems a little more ironic or sardonic. Earnestness is cringe. That's interesting. I assume by cringe you mean cringeworthy. It makes you cringe. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. That is so fetch. That is so fetch, whatever that means. And then they quote a 23-year-old who absolutely hates ellipses. That's the dot, dot, dot. If any of, anyone ever uses dot, 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 I just think, oh, my God, I pissed them off. My brain automatically goes, what did I say? Or, my God, was, was I this annoying? Well, you are, but that's not why people use dot, dot, dot. It's just a pause. It's change rhythm. It implies there is another thought coming. I, I tend to use dot, dot, dot a lot, but I was texting with somebody who said, what the hell is your dot, dot, dot thing? I mean, they were really confused by it. Oh, my God, I pissed them off, Jack thought. <laughs> <laughs> More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You're certain that it's once the dust has settled and once all the investigations have happened, that you won't be arrested for fraud? I don't think I will be. I don't think that I, uh, I don't think I tried to do anything wrong. Um, I obviously did the wrong things. Like, you don't get where we got if the right things happened. And as CEO, 
I had a responsibility to make sure the right things happened, and they didn't. Um, but I, that was not what I was intending. So that's, uh, I mean, you can recognize his voice, um, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, hours before he was arrested. I don't think I'll be arrested. I, uh, I don't, I don't expect to be arrested. Uh, oh, wh- who are you with the handcuffs? Why, why, why are you putting handcuffs? Wh- where are we going? Um, he was arrested shortly thereafter, and he's in jail. According to the New York Post, a jail that is rat and maggot infested. So it is not a fancy oh, jail, apparently. In the Bahamas. Keep that in mind if you get a little too drunked up and decide to do something wacky in the Bahamas. That's what the jails are like. Yikes. Even if you got connections. Anyway, here's this guy, John J. Ray J. Johnson Jr., who was the FTX CEO. <laughs> I don't think that's his name. Took over the company <laughs> when it was at on the way down and started looking into the books and thought, what the hell is going on here? The FTX groups collapse appears to stem from absolute concentration of control in the hands of a small group of grossly inexperienced, unsophisticated individuals who failed to implement virtually any of the systems or controls that are necessary for a company entrusted with other people's money or assets. Of course, the question is, did did they know what they were doing? Like, were they doing this on purpose, just trying to live the good life, thinking they could pull it off? Or were they just incompetent and, like blind it's hard to imagine that they didn't know they were doing things you shouldn't do yeah i would agree at the same time i think the money was rolling in so fast and it was all going so well they're like yeah we probably ought to institute some accounting practices but tomorrow's the time (laughs) (laughs) tomorrow's a great day for that here's more from ray j johnson jr employees would communicate you know invoicing and expenses on on slack which is you know essentially a uh, you know, a, a way of communicating for chat rooms. Uh, they use QuickBooks, a multi-billion-dollar company using QuickBooks. 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 Uh, nothing against QuickBooks. Very nice tool, just not for a multi-billion-dollar company. Uh, there's no independent board, right? We we had one person really controlling this. So he gets put in as the CEO and starts looking at things and says, what, where, where is everything? Where is everybody? Right. Where, where, how is this right. working? I need to see the head of accounting immediately. The, the what now? You can talk to my girlfriend. She was a math major in college. Where she? She's down our, by the pool. Our QuickBooks password is QuickBooks123. <laughs> right. If you want to look at that. Right. Here, I'll get you here. Google Docs of... Uh, uh, 69420, that's how you get in, and then you can look at all our expenditures for the last <laughs> two years. I'll be down by the pool wow. if you need me. Wow. But then there's the question of his arrest. He was about to spill his guts in front of Congress, and the prosecutors stopped that from happening. That's practically unprecedented in the history of law enforcement. Right, and as you heard there, he was doing an interview hours before he was arrested, so he didn't mind talking to anybody about anything. Interesting dude. Uh, If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think that you have been able to pull this thing off without your mathematics degree or it has been the pillar of your trading activity? Uh, Yeah, absolutely could pull it off without my math degree. (laughs) Use very little math. When you start out as like an intern and you, you know, do something and accidentally lose, you know, maybe a thousand dollars for your desk, you're like, oh God, like everyone's going to hate me now. Like this is terrible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, over time you have to uh, sort of, yeah, get comfortable with larger and larger uh, swings of money. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good example of a <laughs> trade where That's I've- enough lost a ton so, of money so maybe maybe too comfortable with large swings of money you had no risk management in place none so did the giggly math geek girlfriend and her curly haired beau actually just kind of stumble their way through it without intending to rip people off or did they intend to rip people off do you think i think it was the first i i think they were smart naive greedy uh, hubristic. But you go to um, jail for the same amount of time, more or less, for having ripped people off? Yeah, because they engaged in accounting practices to the extent that they had any practices or money transferring practices, which are blatantly illegal. We're talking about the Crypto King, FTX, all that sort of stuff. 
Obviously, yeah. I would think you'd pick that up from context, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. I don't know. You, you know, you have some responsibilities uh, when you got a bunch of other people's money. Now, I'm intrigued by the fact that he was arrested the day before. Correct? He Hours was before. Hours before. That's right. He was going to testify before Congress. And uh, Jonathan Turley, the uh, most excellent law professor and commentator, has a comment in uh, question 36. This is the first time in my memory that prosecutors, rather than a defense attorney, stop someone from making self-incriminating statements. Uh, this was a windfall opportunity for the prosecutors. He was willing to go forward with hours of rather hostile cross-examination on every detail in the case. Why wouldn't you want that to happen? That's all admissible. Yeah, and so unless there's a flight risk or something, um, it seems very weird. He's going to go spill his guts and be cross-examined. All of it admissible, as Turley makes clear, and the prosecutors prevented that from happening. Now, the difference between me and some people uh, online these days is the existence of my question does not prove that the answer is what I'm suggesting it is, that there's something nefarious. There could be a reasonable explanation, but it's kind of odd that we haven't heard it. Well, one of the cha- the Republican chair of the committee didn't seem to understand why it happened. That's interesting. Yeah. So the second biggest donor to Democrats... Uh, in the last several election cycles, this young punk uh, is going to spill his guts about all of his doings. And the Democratic administration, the Justice Department, says, arrest him now before he testifies. That just seems odd. It does. It does. Uh, I don't know that anything's going on there. I assume if there is something going on there, it'll come out eventually. Yeah. Kind of stinks, though. Now, if he ends up dead in Jeffrey Epstein's uh, cell... Then, uh, then my suspicions are going to be amplified. Ends up dead in Jeffrey Epstein's cell. There's going to be something uh, worth looking into there, but buried yeah. under the end zone of Giant Stadium or something. Yeah, sure. So that's probably enough of that. But um, the fact that he's not going to testify is uh, highly unsatisfying. Hey, I definitely wanted to get to this today because uh, this came up a little bit when we were talking to military analyst Jeff McCausland the other day. It's about us arming. Ukraine. It was the worst kept secret in the Pentagon today. Senior U.S. defense officials confirming to reporters the Biden administration is finalizing plans to send Patriot missile defense systems to Ukraine for the first time. That's something the Ukrainians have been asking for a long for for a long time. We'd been saying no to this and then all of a sudden said yes. What are Patriots? The Patriot missile is the U.S. Army's primary long-range air and missile defense system. A typical Patriot battery includes a radar set, eight missile launchers, and 32 missiles. The U.S. sent batteries to Poland and Slovakia after Russia's invasion. Um, So I think that's pretty interesting. I don't know what the tipping point was that made us change our mind on that. But uh, this morning, like most mornings, the people of Kiev woke up to air raid sirens and uh, ducking and covering for real as Iranian-provided drones fired by the Russians try to rain hell down on the capital of that country. This is becoming more and more a war of drones, as you'll hear here. Days removed from the front line. 
three Ukrainian soldiers show us a key weapon used in this war. We drop in anti-tank cumulative bombs. He describes Soviet-era munitions, now repurposed and used against Russian soldiers. Russia and Ukraine are engaged in a war of drones. The city of Odessa is in the dark after a Russian strike with Iranian drones over the weekend as Ukraine reimagines what can be used as a weapon. The Ukrainians are finding very innovative ways every single day to um, change uh, the face of drone technology. Uh, they're taking commercial off-the-shelf drones that even a child could buy on Amazon and modifying them in ways uh, to help defend themselves further on the battlefield. Yeah, every single day Russian drones come in and Ukrainian drones go up and intercept them often. Uh, this is really an interesting glimpse for the rest of the world into what the next major war will look like. Hopefully that's very far off. Yeah. Lots of people yeah. piloting super sophisticated drones. I hope, I hope ours are better than everybody else's. Well, ours will definitely be the super sophisticated, super great ones. But the fact that these guys could take like a uh, target at Christmas time level drones and have them use their grippy thing to hold not a groovy camera or something, but a grenade in essence and fly it over there and drop the gr- anti tank grenade where it needed to be. I mean, that's just in terms of like guerrilla warfare and asymmetrical warfare, that's going to be kind of hairy. Have you done much flying drones? No, I've watched people do it. Super, I've done a little bit. The better ones, which uh, somebody sent us, uh, a nice listener, and very, very cool. Appreciate that very much. The nice ones are not that hard to fly, uh, but the cheap ones are very hard to control. Mm. So I'm surprised they're able to take the cheap ones. Maybe by cheap, they mean $500, and they don't mean... Yeah, I think so. They don't yeah. mean $40 like you can get at Walmart. Those things are impossible to control. And the 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 I'm sure many parents would echo this. The most common experience you have with the cheap drone is it disappears and you never see it again. <laughs> it just goes up in the air and away, and now you don't know where it is. You know, I'm glad to hear that because I had a hell of a difficult time flying a cheap drone. Part of it's just me. I just the spatial relationships and just if if you turn something upside down, I it's I'm through. If you turn me upside down, I'm I'm done. I could never do flips off a diving board or whatever. So I would constantly be crashing this thing or driving it straight into the ground or whatever. So yeah, the 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 nicer ones are a lot easier to fly. How about I'll be the spotter, you fly the drone. Um. You see them now and then. I see them at the park and stuff like that, and it's always cool. But eventually, the sky is going to be so full of drones, I think. It's going to be a problem, but we're not there yet. I know a young man who has uh, made a business. Uh, he bought a really good drone with the camera technology and is good at taking the photos and is selling that technology, selling the photos to various companies he's working with and really, really making a good living on that. Yeah, it's become a big part of real estate, too, if you're a real good drone camera person. Um, you take these sweeping views of the house and the backyard and stuff like that, charge a few bucks. Oh, there are endless, there, yeah, there are endless applications for being able to fly a drone out over a lake and look at various fishing spots or whatever. Um, that That's very, very cool. I don't know about uh, when we're all going to have one hovering over our backyard that says U.S. government on it, but... Right, soon enough. Uh, tell me this, though. Isn't the drone the classic? You're just crazy into it for the first weekend. Then you use it like one more time. And then it goes into the closet. I, yeah, I think so for the most part. Unless you're going to head down the road of trying to make a business out of it or something. I think, yeah. You think that was that's really cool. That is, that is every bit as cool as anybody said. And I'm done with it. 
Right. Which is, Look at that. There's my buddy's house six blocks away right there. You're looking at it. Wow, cool. And then you fly it home. And then what are you going to do that again? Which is kind of what happened with the Oculus system from last Christmas. It was uh, very, very cool. This is really, really neat. This is very realistic. Now I'm done with it. Um, I don't know how many people are staying with that sort of thing. Hey, do you get nauseous doing VR stuff? Uh, I have. So I went to Universal Studios, took the kids there. I talked about that a lot. And they have some of the best VR stuff on planet Earth. I got crazy motion sickness immediately, though, from the Simpsons ride. I was like full on. I'm on a boat at sea for three days sick within minutes. Had to close my eyes and just try not to chunder. And uh, I found out later when I brought it up from somebody who knows a lot about the brain that um, uh, like 30% of people can't do VR stuff. It gives them horrible motion sickness. Most people it doesn't, but a good chunk it does. So that's going to be a big hang up for the move forward for VR if it's going to become a thing where, hey, all of education or trips or blah, all these different things. If a, if a third or more of people get horribly sick yeah. immediately from it, it's not, it's not going to catch on quite as, as good as they're hoping. I remember when we had that demo done at the radio ranch not too many years ago. I was really concerned about that, uh, but as it turned, it, it was great. It was fine. It was fun. Uh, I didn't mind it a bit. But if they were like uh, flipping upside down in rapid motion or whirling or anything like that, oh yeah, I'd have to close my eyes. Yeah, that's what the Simpsons ride was like. It was like a, a riding a roller coaster through Springfield, and it looked really, really cool. I mean, it was just shockingly cool if you're a Simpsons mm-hmm. fan. But I wanted to throw up all over myself the entire time. Now, when we went into a building and were sitting still... Which is really more a family guy than The Simpsons. Right. When we went into a building and were sitting still still and had the greatest VR experience I've ever had in my life of King Kong fighting dinosaurs to save us. And, I mean, it was fully encompassing this little trolley car we were in. We pulled into a building, the doors closed, it was pitch dark, and then it's King Kong fighting dinosaurs everywhere you look, as real as real could be. It was freaking unbelievable. They claim it's the best thing on Earth. Uh, display of that sort of technology but it was just it was shockingly good i'm watching king kong fight a dinosaur right there now he just jumped over us now he's there Uh, it's just it was it was wild now were you wearing like uh uh, the the headset i was wearing wearing 3d glasses oh okay all right 3d glasses that sounds so cool so i don't know if that's technically vr or not but it was uh, well it's gotta be it was all screen it was all around it wasn't act well king kong was not actually fighting dinosaurs so i guess it was not reality it was virtual reality (laughs) right indeed if i had pulled out of there and they just said yes we actually do have a 90 foot monkey that fights dinosaurs that's that's how we pull that trick off well that's why the tickets are so expensive (laughs) a hell of a lot of bananas Finally settling the question, who would win in a fight between an enormous ape and an ancient lizard? God, he grabs this one dinosaur right next to you, and oh, prize open its jaws and just breaks its jaws open. Oh, no! And it was just... Barbaric! Oh, everybody was like, ah! That is barbaric! <laughs> <laughs> it's horrifying. Uh, it's worth the, the price of the ticket, though. We will finish strong next. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on... 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, this is wild. Uh, An Olive Garden manager was fired after sending the staff an aggressive warning about missing work. Listen to this. The message from an Olive Garden manager in Kansas to employees. We are no longer tolerating any excuse for calling off. If you are sick, you need to come prove it to us. If your dog died, you need to bring him in and prove it to us. (laughs) Good news, though. Today, she was hired to be the head of HR on Twitter. There you go. Like it or not, Elon, you've got the rep of being the mean boss for firing people. Even while Zuckerberg and all the other tech companies, Intel, they lay off thousands also. Hmm, interesting. So the Olive Garden says, if you're going to call in sick because your dog died, you better bring the dead corpse in. <laughs> Prove it to us. Jeez. Hilarious. Wow. Wow. By the way, we got a number of texts from people who have also gotten uh, motion sickness from VR, including that Simpsons ride at Universal. Uh, that is going to be a problem. So uh, did Zuckerberg know that when he changed the name of Facebook to Meta and decided to go all VR and everything like that, that 30 to 40% of people get horribly nauseous the second they do VR? Because no, I don't it, know it, if I'll ever put on a VR headset again in my life. It was that bad. Well, hang on now. I mean, if you're like sitting at a virtual conference table looking at your virtual colleagues sure, that'd be discussing fine. the next project. That'd be fine. Well, yeah. Or playing like some little game where you're fishing or something, pulling fish out. As long as there's not it's much the movement. Whirling and twirling, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, different topic. I was going to offer to buy your uh, Oculus since your kids aren't going to use it or aren't using it much anymore, but I got to be signed up for Facebook, right? Yeah. Not freaking happening. Did that through uh, their mom's account because I don't have a Facebook account. Hey, we got this text on the topic that we're now finally going to send Patriot missiles to Ukraine. I don't know what changed. I mean, and you could certainly ask the question if you're a Ukrainian. Why don't you do this like about six months ago when... You know, half my friends were still alive, and we hadn't lived, you know, however many nights with no water and electricity. Anyway, uh, hey there, I was a Patriot missile operator for four years in the Army. The Patriot missile system will help intercept any of the rockets and missiles fired into Ukraine. But I can tell you it's a very, very, very expensive system. The missiles are very, very expensive. Between four to six million dollars a piece at this point. Oh my god. Depending on the upgrades the missiles have. So it's a an expense and then maybe that's why we didn't send it, but expensive operating system, very expensive missiles, but you can't the expensive upgrades. Is that like, you know, the the eight speaker system and yeah. well, in the, tinted in, windows? And the undercoating. You you right. want you want to get the undercoating. Sure. Um and then there's a delivery fee. What is a delivery fee? Of course the car was delivered to you. I mean, what? What? That's your problem. Put it on the price. You lying liars. Um, uh, I wonder if it's just we can't let Ukraine go further into, win- into winter with their electricity turned off all the time. And then the idea expense-wise is as soon as the Russians know, well, we can't waste our money in missiles, getting them all shot down, so there's no point in trying anymore, and maybe it'll, that'll just kind of end. Wow, interesting thought. Yeah, mutually assured squandering. (laughs) Good one. Hmm. Hey, kids, it's that time again. With Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, our technical director, pressing the buttons, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Yeah, you guys were talking about drones and never seeing them again. You just fly them once and they go flying off. I did that with model rockets as a kid. Oh, yeah. I'd uh, put the wrong engine in there accidentally, and after spending days putting these things together, goes up one time and never see it again. <laughs> Where's all that stuff go, do you think? Mm. Is there a bush mm. in neighbor- every neighborhood that's full of rubber balls and Estes rockets and... Cheap drones. <laughs> Farm upstate. Oh, no, that's pets your dad got rid of. Anyway, oh, hey now. Uh, Jack, a final thought? Yes, I'm just I'm warning myself when I warn you. They say now is pretty much the end of the road for ordering stuff if you're going to get it shipped very far at all. Everything's getting clogged up with the FedEx and the Postal Service and the UPS. And if you want it to get to you or somewhere on time, today's about it. My final thought is when the new uh, Congress uh, goes in session, they have got to do something about immigration. I predict, I hereby predict, serious measures to deal with the immigration crisis at the border, the illegal immigration crisis. If you've got Lunkhead Gavin Newsom saying, hey, this has got to change, it's got to change. You think once and for all? There is a burbling plan in which the dreamers get their path to citizenship and then we secure the border. I will not use the term dreamers, as you know. Uh, Yeah, well, do it, you freaking useless dopes. Are there enough Republicans that would go for that? I'm not sure there are, and I understand their argument. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people have thanked so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All sorts of good stuff there for you. The hot links. You can get some A&G swag. Barely in time for Christmas, I hope. Uh, drop us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or if you miss a chunk of the show, remember you can always get it via podcast. 
The show is repackaged as Armstrong and Getty On Demand, wherever you like to get podcasts. Or again, just go to the website to get started, armstrongandgetty.com. So this is what we do. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. They hate Dr. Zeus and they hate Mr. Potato Head. Grossly inexperienced, non-sophisticated individuals. That's just unheard of. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. That is so fetch. It's always a disaster. Fact is, what we've got right now is not working. I expected more. (laughs) I yield the rest of my time, but this. Okay. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.